Today I want to start a, I guess, sort of series. I want to spend at least a couple weeks, and as long as it takes, talking about something that we all deal with at some point in our lives, something that's very difficult, but we absolutely have to learn what to do with this and how to overcome this when it happens to us if we uh, ever want to go to where God wants us to go spiritually. So I'm going to start talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. I know that's a journey. It's very difficult. And I want to tell you, uh, forgiveness is possible, but it's not humanly possible. There are some things, some of you sitting here right now this morning, that are absolutely humanly impossible for you to forgive. And I want you to know there is hope. And with God, all things are possible. And the Holy Spirit, by a divine intervention, can do, can perform a miracle of forgiveness in your heart. And so I want to take at least these two Sundays, today and next Sunday, and talk about forgiveness. And... Um, <clears throat> I want to start today by looking at what Jesus said about forgiveness. So uh, my text this morning is Matthew 18. Okay, Matthew 18, <clears throat> starting in verse 21. Matthew 18, 21. This is known as the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I'm reading from the New King James Version, Matthew 18, 21. It says, then Peter came to him, that is Jesus, and he said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother, my brother's sin against me? Oh, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. How often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? In other words, how many times I have to forgive this jerk in my life that keeps hurting me? Now, the Jewish law was three times. This is true. I don't know if you knew this. After three times, you're off the hook and you don't have to forgive anymore. Wouldn't that be great? Except it wouldn't be because I'll tell you why. I mean, because we probably have an idea of what unforgiveness does to us, right? So, so he comes to Jesus, he says, and, and he already knows this, this rabbi, he's a different kind of rabbi, this Jesus. He's a little radical. He's already been saying stuff that's, that's like way to the extreme of what the religious law was. You know, he's telling you to turn the other cheek when the law said you can give an eye for an eye. You know, you can fight back. Jesus is saying love your enemies. So Peter's already got this idea that, yeah, probably Jesus is going to say more than three times. So Peter's got a good guess of what it might be. So he says, well, what do you think, Jesus, up to seven times? And Peter thinks he's being pretty generous. Like, maybe he thinks Jesus is going to pat him on the back for being so generous, so insightful, for elevating the law. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In effect, what Jesus was saying was not 490. Is that 70 times seven? I hate math. Jesus was saying for the rest of your life, you never stop forgiving. This is a lifestyle. This is not some written code that you can cross out once you're done. 
See, we humans, we need, we, we, we're so geared toward a formula. Like, just show me the formula to follow. Just show me the rules, and I'll try to follow the rules as best I can. You know? And, and, and we do that with, with um, God's ways. We take God's way, and we turn it into his law, and we think that if we just follow the law carefully, then at some point we will have arrived, and and. It's just not like that. I mean, we do this with tithe. We do this with tithe money. There are people who religiously get their calculator and they write a check for 10% of their income and they think, oh, thank God it's only 10%. Well, what kind of spirit of generosity is that? <laughs> you know, if you read the New Testament, it's, it's just you give out of what's in your heart. And if it's not in your heart, don't eat, don't give. I mean, God loves a hilarious giver. And you know I never talk about this, but it fits. It fits what I'm saying. It's not about a number. It's about what is in your heart. Are you trying to just do some mathematical equation and call it good? Or do you need a heart transformation in these areas like generosity? And forgiveness. So Jesus says, I tell you, you have to forgive him 70 times 7. In other words, you never stop. You keep on forgiving. Now, whether this means every time that person hurts you in a fresh new way, you have to forgive again, or whether it means you have to constantly make a decision that you're going to forgive that one thing that he did to you, I think it covers both. And we're going to talk about, we're going to get into how this plays out as we go on. But it's about a, a heart transformation and a lifestyle of forgiveness. So Jesus doesn't just walk away, thankfully, after he says that. He doesn't, he doesn't just say, well, here it is, Peter, that's how it is, and walk away and leave us to go, oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? How do we do that? Jesus then goes right into a story, and he tells a story that shows us how and why forgiveness is possible. So let's look at this story. Matthew 18, 22. Jesus said to him, uh, 23, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, when Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, in case you don't know, this is not talking about that place you go to when you die. This is talking about the invisible reality that, that was inaugurated when Jesus stepped onto the earth. This is this the supernatural realm available for all of us to live in that is more real than what you see with your natural eyes. The kingdom of heaven. It's also known as the family of God, okay? And, and we know that that's the kingdom of heaven that Jesus is talking about because he's going to tell a story that involves a huge injustice. So it can't be that heaven in the sweet by and by, right? And so Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. So let's start to draw the spiritual parallel now. Of course, God is the king. We know that. And the king has servants. We are all subjects in his kingdom. And someday God will settle accounts. It says in uh, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for men to die once, once and after that the judgment. So we die physically one time, but then after that, the judgment. So we will all stand before the king someday, and he will settle accounts. He will open the books and see who comes up short. 
This is a sobering reality that we need to think about as we live our lives. And so this is what's going on in this story. It says in verse 24, when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Jesus could have used any monetary amount, but he very purposefully chose this amount, and I did the research, and what I came up with over and over and over again from all the scholars and commentators was this amounted to something in the neighborhood of $4 billion. So this servant, it was brought to the king's attention that this guy owed the king about $4 billion. And the verse, verse 25 says, as he was not able to pay... And I circled that word as. It doesn't say he was not able to pay because, duh, of course he was not able to pay. Who could ever pay back $4 billion? So it says, as he was not able to pay. In other words, obviously. And, and Jesus, very again, Jesus is making a point that it would have been impossible for this man to ever pay back the king. As he was not, not able to pay... His master commanded that he be sold. So he's already a servant. So now in order, since he can't pay, the king is going to command that he be sold as a slave to try to recoup some of the money, that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. At least some kind of payment. The servant, therefore, in verse 26, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. <laughs> the crazy thing about this servant is he thinks he's actually going to pay all this back to the king. That's the funny thing. Have mercy on me, and I will pay you all. All. I don't know if he was just desperate and just trying to say something. He just didn't know what else to say. But he actually said, I'll pay you it all, all $4 billion. Yeah, he's a slave. Yeah. How that, how's that going to happen? But I want you to tell, I want to tell you, this picture of this servant saying to the king, have patience, be patient with me, and I will pay you all. That is many, if not most, Christians in the church today. This mindset that somehow, if God will just keep being patient with me, I will eventually get it right, and I will gain his approval, and God will finally like me. Be patient with me, God, and I will finally pay back all the debt I owe you. I mean, we would never, we, we understand how salvation works, right? It's a free gift of grace. But yet so many of us live like this servant as though we someday might finally pay off this $4 billion debt that we owe God. We might finally be likable enough in God's heart and in his mind. This is the Christian with a guilt mindset. Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. So we go through life condemned and beaten down by guilt, believing that eventually we might 
pay off all our debt to God and be back in his good favor. I lived this way as a Christian for many, many years. I know what that feels like. I know what kind of bondage that is. God, please be patient with me. Someday I'll get you to like me. I know you saved me. I know you forgave me of my sins on the cross. I know my past is taken care of, but me right now, I'll just really be patient with me, God. And I'll finally eventually pay off all this indebtedness to you that I feel in my spirit every single day. I come up short, but be patient. Be patient, God, and I'll pay all. But it says in verse 27, the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. See, some people are in another category. They're not the guilt-ridden ones. They're the okay ones. Like, I'm okay. I mean, to a lot of people, especially outside the church, this idea that we are indebted to God, that we have this sin debt that needs to be paid, that sin has separated us from God, this idea that we need God's forgiveness is an affront to, to the human mind. It's offensive to a lot of people, especially really good people. It's offensive, this idea that, we, that humans are born with this sin debt. And we need to, we need to understand, this is, this is serious, the human condition, as we call it. This is serious. Someone called it treason against the king, our sin debt as humanity. It's like, have you ever seen a newborn baby and they're born? And how is a newborn baby's fists? They're always in a fist. It's like we're just born that way. Talk about being born that way. This is how we're born. It's like we're born with a fist in God's face. I'm going to do life my way because I, I, I'm just going to get myself together, and, and I can do this. I got this. Without you, God, thank you very much. I don't need your help. We're born with that, and it shows in the delivery room. Like, that's the first thing you see. It's treason. You know what treason is? Treason can include the murder of the one you're supposed to be in obedience to. It's outright rebellion against your authority and the one you owe your very life and allegiance to. So sin is treason against the king. It's this, this uh, conscious decision that I do not need God as my authority. I can be my own savior. So that is our sin debt. But I want you to, and so this story really is kind of hard. It can be really hard to wrap your mind around if you do not understand your sin debt your indebtedness to God. If you do not understand your innate, inherent, rebellious nature that you were born with, if you don't really see that clearly, it's really hard to wrap your mind around this story. So let me see if I can help you a little bit because if you notice in verse 27, the king did two things. He released him and forgave him the debt. See, the king could have just said, well, all right, look, servant, Here's the deal. I'll forgive you the debt. You don't have to pay me back, but I'm going to keep you in this prison. I'm going, to, I'm going to keep you as a slave locked up for the rest of your life as a way of paying back the debt. Or he could have released him and let him go and said, somehow you got to figure out a way to pay me back. But he released him 
And he forgave the debt. I'm going to tell you a story. And only if you really know me well will you believe that this story happened to me. I got a speeding ticket way back during the time when, when Dave was, uh, when, we, when we were quite penniless, when Dave was without work. I got this speeding ticket on Clemens Center. It was $200. We didn't have two dimes to rub together. I thought, what am I going to do? We don't have $2 laying around. So I decided I will, did I say $2? Thank you, $200. I decided if, I, if we don't have the money to pay off this debt, I'll just, maybe they'll let me go to jail. So I went to court. I went to the city court, and I stood before the judge, and I said, Your Honor, I don't have the money to pay this speeding ticket because my husband is out of work, but may I please go to jail for a few days instead? <laughs> he looked at me like I had three heads. I don't know. I just... I mean, I'm a writer. I figured if nothing else, it's fodder for writing. I'll write a blog post about it. That might go viral. I just spent three days in the city jail instead of paying off a speeding ticket. I thought it was a really good idea. It'd be a really good education, find out what really goes on in the jail system. I was totally ready to do it. This attorney's sitting in there. He says, Your Honor, can I speak with this woman outside in the hall, please? Sure. He takes me outside. He says, look, you really don't want to do this. This will never go off your record. This is not cool. I do really advise you not to do this. I said, oh, man, okay. So, uh, you know, it, the case was closed, and a dear friend who found out what was going on paid for my speeding ticket. The funny thing is, I find out later that there was a class field trip from the high school in the courtroom that day. They go to their teacher the next day who hadn't been there with them. They say, you'll never believe what happened. This crazy lady was in the courtroom trying to go to jail instead of pay for a ticket. He happened to be a friend of mine. He said, oh, that's Faith. She's a writer. She was just looking for a good story. He covered for me because he kind of actually knew what was going on. So anyway, but what happened? I had to pay the debt. I still had to pay the debt, but I was released from captivity. This king releases his servant from captivity, and he forgives him the debt. See, I think why we have such a hard time forgiving is you and I don't actually fully understand what this king has done for us. We just look at salvation and the cross as we, that's like part of the package. And we think, yeah, Jesus forgave me of my sins, and that's great. But your sin against me, that's something so different. Like, we don't even begin to understand what we have been set free from and the life of freedom Jesus bought for us on the cross. We don't understand that we have been released from a lifetime of bondage. There's a scripture in um, Hebrews 2.15. It, it talks about how Jesus' death on the cross freed those who, who all their life were subject to bondage. He freed those who all their life were subject to bondage. I just want to think about that. I, I, 
I've been really meditating on this to make sure I get it. I've been thinking about people in my life that I've had a hard time forgiving. It took me years to forgive. I thought, wow, I just, I really, this is because I have no clue what God has made available to me when he set me free, when he let me go free. It wasn't just about forgiving me of my sin and erasing and canceling that sin debt. It was about it was about giving me the opportunity and availability of living a life it is possible to live a life completely free from every single effect of sin, every single insecurity, every single anxiety, every single fear, every single lie from Satan. We don't even know the depths of what... See, it's not just about what God has set you free from. It's what he has set you free to. That's what we don't understand. Like, I think if I really, totally, really got what I have been released to be, to be, that freedom, if I really understood it, would be so overwhelming to me that forgiveness would not even, I think, I really believe if I got this, forgiveness would not be an issue. Because when I finally understand, if you want to know what's available to you spiritually, start to read Ephesians. Start in chapter 1. For that matter, read the epistles, Paul's letters to the church. Over and over, he's saying things like, I pray that your spiritual eyes would be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of your calling, so that you may know what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance, your spiritual inheritance. I pray that you may know the power available to you. I pray that you would be filled with all the Spirit of God. I mean, he just, we don't know what's available to us. And so it's like, it's as though we think we're still sitting in the jail and we want company. You know? Like, we just have no idea what we have been released to as far as this life God has been, that God has made available for us to live. So what happens? Verse 28. So the servant is released and forgiven. Those two things. He is set free and his debt has been forgiven. So what does he do? Verse 28. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, roughly about $4,000. Now, I've read this parable lots of times, and I used to think that he goes out, he finds a fellow servant who owes him like probably like $6.41. You know, and you read the story and you think, oh my goodness, how terrible that he couldn't forgive that. You know, it, this was a big deal. $4,000 you owe somebody and you're a servant? You can't afford that. And I think, again, Jesus strategically picks this amount to remind us that, yes, forgiveness is hard. And sometimes people are indebted to us in big ways, huge ways. This is a significant amount that this servant owes his fellow servant. So he goes out. 
He finds one of his fellow servants, verse 28, who owes him 100 denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. And isn't it so true? We just have this need to be paid. Like, yes, I'll forgive, but they got to pay first. Even if just in the way of an apology, we want to be paid. We somehow want that person who owes us, who did something, who hurt us, who's indebted us. We just have this need originating from a sin nature that says, pay me. Years ago, there were two, many years ago, there were a couple individuals who had wronged me. And for the longest time, I don't know, months, maybe a year, I would entertain this need to pay back by fantasizing of having them. I would lie in bed at night and I would picture them. I'm very creative in my imaginations. I would picture them in a tropical jungle setting locked up in a cage made of bamboo. I'm serious. Like, this is this is sick, but I would lie there and in this fantasy, I would put them in this cage and I would take the key and I would lock it and I would walk away. <laughs> I would do that every night. Every night I was back in the jungle, back in this huge, this structure, this bamboo cage, and I'd have these individuals and I'd lock them and I would just nourish myself with the satisfaction of walking away, of imprisoning them. But who was in prison? I was in I was the one. I was in prison. Can you see that? They didn't know they were living their life. They were free. I was the one keeping myself in a prison of bitterness, and it festered and festered until God spoke to me and said, if you continue to allow this to fester, you have already opened a door to give Satan access into your life. It will become a stronghold. Satan will begin to oppress you, as he's already doing, and that will eventually turn into demonic possession. That's the pattern, I'm telling you. It's the pattern. And I thought, yeah, I know. I mean, I knew. I knew. I just like, can I just please? Like, this is my little place. And I knew that was sin. I mean, I was living in sin. I was being that unmerciful servant. Like, pay me. You know my problem? I was forgetting, probably not even aware, of all God did for me how he set me free, how his blood shed on the cross gave me the opportunity, the possibility of living a life free from offense, free from fear, free from anxiety, free from every kind of evil design set against us in our nature we were born with. Jesus Christ died so that I could have a brand new nature and live free live free in every way possible, free to love, free to forgive, free to be all that he created to me, created me to be. I had not considered or grabbed a hold of that. I was bound. And when you're bound by bitterness, you just it's like misery wants company. I wanted other people sitting there in the cell with me. So 
So he says, pay me what you owe in verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, oh, this sounds familiar. Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. We don't know. This is kind of like a sort of apology. You ever gotten one of those? A sort of apology, like a fake apology? I'm sorry, but <laughs> I might pay you back. Maybe not. We don't know. We have no idea what was in this guy's intention when he said that. He just knew that he wanted to get out of the situation. Have mercy on me, and I will pay you all. Verse 30 this original servant who'd been released from a lifetime of captivity with his family, forgiven a debt of the equivalent of $4 billion, what does he say to his fellow servant who owes him 4000 When he would not, verse 30, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And that is exactly what you and I do when we do not forgive. Never mind the debt that Christ forgave me. My massive sin debt that I cannot begin to comprehend can never, have, ever, ever begin to hope to pay back. Never mind that Jesus Christ has released me to be the freest a human could possibly be. He has made that available to me. Never mind all that. I want you to pay for this tiny little debt you owe me. Because in reality, what we're saying is Jesus' grace is enough for me, but it's not enough for you. Jesus died for me. His blood on Calvary covers my sin, but not yours. And I want you to pay. That's what the servant is saying. So verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. Notice they didn't blame the king. They didn't go to the king and say, you know, come on, I, I know he's being a jerk, but he's not being fair, but, you know, let him go. No, the king was right. The king had extended mercy. That mercy was not extended. It was not paid forward. Now the king is exercising justice because God is a, a God of justice and mercy. And he offers you and I mercy time and time again. And he expects us to extend that mercy to others. Be merciful to others. The merciful shall inherit the earth. But when we don't, then there's judgment. Then we face the God of justice. So now this king, now he's a just king. And he's operating as a just king. When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved. And they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. Remember, this is a, parala, a parable, okay? This is an earthly king, so not every single part of it will reflect the nature of God and the way he would speak. But in this story, this king says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt. Notice why. Because you begged me. Not because you deserved it, but because you asked. 
And isn't that all we need to do in order to have our sin debt forgiven? We just ask. We just ask. Father, have patience with me and I will pay you all. The cross says, you don't owe me a dime. It's on him. It's on my son. Jesus absorbed our sin debt into himself on the cross. He paid a debt I did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me, verse 33. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Again, we don't understand the way that God has had pity on us. We don't even begin to get it. We don't get it. We don't understand. We do not understand the depth of God's mercy and grace that he has lavished on us. If we really got that, forgiveness would be easier and we'd be able to do it, but with his help, only with the help of the Holy Spirit. His master was angry, verse 34, and he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Now he's back to square one. Now he's back in debt with the king. You want to know why? Show me someone who has a hard time forgiving who is easily offended, and I will show you someone who in their heart of hearts has this mindset of indebtedness to God. God must be so disappointed in me, therefore I am disappointed in everybody who disappoints me. God must be so easily offended by me, therefore I am easily offended by anything. You look at me cross-eyed, I'm going to be offended. Because in my heart of heart, I really don't understand God's grace toward me. I don't understand what he set me free from. Therefore, I will not let you go free. So he's back to square one and he's tortured. And unforgiveness is a torturer. It's, it, has its, it has its own built-in punishment. You imprison yourself thinking you're locking someone up in a prison of punishment. Verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses, his offenses. As we close, I'm going to have Nathan get the lights, dim the lights, and I'm going to ask Jeff to come and start playing. In a sense, I feel unqualified to preach this sermon because I'm standing here and I know the things I've had to forgive in my life and they are nothing compared to the things some of you have had to forgive and are trying to forgive. All I can do is point to the word of God and point to a God who is great enough. He is great enough to perform the miracle of forgiveness in your heart but you've got to want to want to forgive. Can you start there? Can you start there? I mean, I've had to go to God and say, God, I don't want to forgive this person. I want them to pay. And God, I'm sorry. See, the very first thing we need to do is repent for our unforgiveness. God, I'm sorry that I have not been willing to forgive. I'm sorry that I have nursed this grudge like a pet in a cage 
fed it every day like a python that grows until it turns on me and strangles the life out of me. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my unforgiveness. God, I repent. And Lord, I don't feel even that I want to forgive, but would you help me want to forgive? See, that's where we might need to start. Father God, would you help me want to forgive? Would you put the desire in my heart to want to start praying for forgiveness? Can we bow our heads this morning? Father God, would you begin to show us the amazing work that you accomplished on the cross when you canceled our debt? Would you make that real to us? Would you open our eyes and ears to understand exactly what it means when you set us free? Your word says, he who is free is free indeed. Free indeed. Father, would you begin to show us what you have provided for us, what you have done for us. Would you begin to help us understand the way that you have set us free, not just what you've set us free from, but all the things you have set us free to be and to do. Would you help us understand just what kind of merciful king you are? so that we would be so free, so in love with you, so overwhelmed by your grace and your goodness and your compassion to us that we would start to have a germ of a desire in our heart to forgive, that we could dare to say, you know what, that just might not be worth holding on to because God has given me so much. You know, in John 15... Bring that down a little bit. In John 15, Jesus says this. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. For a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but a friend, his master tells him everything. You notice these are servants this story is about? You know what God has set you free from? He has set you free from a life of slavery to sin, slavery to the same old self-patterns, the same old self-talk, the same old head games every day, telling you you're no good, you're worthless, you're never going to change, you need to keep being bitter, it's the only way, you need to fight for yourself, nobody else is going to fight for you, nobody else is going to stick up for you. God has set you free from that slavery. It's slavery to sin, it's a sin voice. Jesus says, I no longer call you slaves. I call you friends. I call you friends. So as Jesus' friend, I want to begin a journey with you starting today that you and I could take Jesus' hand and say, thank you, friend. I don't feel it right now, but will you help me to begin this journey to forgive? Will you help me? Because I want to forgive. I want to forgive. So Jesus, I'm taking your hand today. And I want to be your friend. I don't want to be that unmerciful servant, but I need your help. I cannot forgive without you. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. With heads still bowed, 
if you realize today, wow, I don't even, I don't even know this king, like this Jesus. I've, I've heard about him, I, but I didn't realize, I didn't realize what kind of a merciful king he was. And I didn't realize that he actually died to set me free from every way that the devil would want to enslave me and keep me bound. And today I want to accept that. I want to be set free. If this is your moment, if this is that moment for you, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to pray. And I want you to agree with this prayer with me. Father God, I realize that yes, I've been in a sort of captivity all my life. I've been enslaved to what my parents said about me, to what somebody did to me. I've been enslaved, and my captivity has caused me to be bitter. And I've been eaten up with unforgiveness. And I confess that I've wanted someone to pay. But Jesus, you paid the debts, the sin debt of humanity. Your blood covers that, and justice will be served someday, and that's not my problem. You are the just judge, but I want to please you. I want to obey you. I want to live in obedience to you by forgiveness. So I ask you, first of all, Jesus, save me. I confess you're my Savior. I confess to a belief that you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead and I say yes to you today and I take your hand no longer as a slave but as a friend and I'm asking you, Jesus, to walk with me through this journey of forgiveness. I cannot do this without you. So I take your hand today and I say thank you, Jesus, for helping me to choose mercy like you did. And like you do for me every single day. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Next week, the Lord willing, I'm going to talk about the four costs of forgiveness. So we're going to keep getting into this and, and see what this looks like when we walk out this journey of forgiveness. Amen. Father, thank you.